You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Before we start, I'd love to give a shout out to the work being done right now by one of my previous guests, Claire Tchaikovsky and her team at Human Milk. Running a nonprofit is hard enough, but they're having to challenge the censorship they're facing as they try to raise awareness of the science behind breastfeeding. If you'd like to see how they're creatively taking on the big guys, head over to human-milk.com and check out the Sunbloom mural and documentary crowdfunder. Today, we're talking about the ever-contentious issue of sales, a topic which keeps many a groundbreaking service, product, or solution in a state of permanent best-kept secret and not actually getting selected. Selected is a word that my guest today has played with, not because she doesn't believe you should sell, but because she believes you should be selected. Let's hear what sales development and emotional intelligence expert and certified speaking professional Merit Khan has to say to the sales shy. So, Merit... I am very curious about your cushion that I can see in the background. Now, for those of you who can't see Merit's cushion, it says, are you open to? Are you open to what? (laughs) Are you open to just about anything? (laughs) I think those are really the four magic words that transform sales or leadership, really anything. But I keep it in the background uh, in my office so that it shows up on Zoom calls and other things so that It reminds other people to be open to what I am sharing with them. But it also reminds me, because I'm always looking at my own screen, uh, to be open to what I'm hearing from other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is definitely one of the things that um, the world can do with more of is curiosity, isn't it? Because if if we are open to things, if we are curious about them, then that's how we learn about them. So I'm, I'm guessing that this plays a key role in the work that you do and the work that you do with your clients. Absolutely. It's a, it's a message that I learned as a child growing up. My dad used to, no matter what I told my dad couldn't be done, he would always say the same thing to me. Um, I can remember when I was in school and trying, you know, I wanted to be a cheerleader and I said, yeah, yeah, but I, I'll never make the cheerleading team. Um, and then when I was older and I wanted to be a, a manager and uh, he would tell, you know, I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm too young to be a manager. And and then there was a time when I wanted to open my own business. And I said, I don't think I have what it takes to open my business. And no matter what the situation was, my dad always asked me, well, who chiseled that over the door? Which <laughs> I think was his version of who carved that in stone. He, he liked yeah. to make things his own little sayings. But the question changed the outcome because he really challenged my assumption that something wasn't mm. possible and he created an opening for something to be possible. And so I feel like the the are you open to words really get to the heart of that philosophy. And when mm-hmm. I ask my audiences, whether I'm doing the opening keynote at a large conference for a corporate event or an association meeting, I always ask people, have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? And mm. and it does that one question 
really sparks that creative curiosity in them. They have to first acknowledge that, nope, it's not as good as it's going to get. There, There is more possibility here. And am I open to a new possibility? Am I open to something else? Well, that mm. is, you know, it, it's hard to say no to that. So it really encourages them to to stay curious. I, I notice a lot of um, people that I work with, and especially people who are newer to to running their own business and so on. One of the things that really trips them up, I guess, is the idea of selling what they do. Mm. And this, I, I, I don't know if this is because they are concerned that somebody else will not be open to it, i.e. that they will be rejected. But maybe you have uh, some thoughts on that that you could share. I do have some thoughts on that. First of all, I think for a lot of people, selling is is an evil concept. It's it's because their their perception of it is pushy, aggressive, manipulative. When you think of salesperson, you know, you think of the the used car, the snake oil salesperson, the somebody who's really only out for what's good for themselves, making their quotas, their budgets, their commission. But, you know, professionals who really have appropriate offers that can solve problems that are good solutions for their ideal target audience, they shouldn't feel like that at all. Now, you know, I'm not in an argument with reality. I'm, I'm you know, if you've grown up with the idea that salespeople are evil, I'm not going to just say, stop thinking that. But I think a good way to shift your mindset around that is to to really think about being selected. In fact, that's the name of my company. I call it Select Sales Development. We spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T, not because we don't know how to spell the word select, (laughs) but because we are all about selling, but we actually want you to stop selling. We -hmm. want you to start getting selected. And when you focus your efforts on being selected, it's very mutual experience. It's mm-hmm. I'm making the right, an appropriate offer for my audience, and my audience recognizes that I'm an appropriate solution for their issues. And in th- that case, you are freely selecting each other. Yeah, yeah. That is, um, that's a really good way of looking at it because it's, it is more like, um, it's more like a, a partnership, I guess, than a, yeah. a one-way street where you're trying to um, fleece someone and or offload that used car or whatever it is. It it really is um, a give and take situation. Then, exactly. Mm. And I noticed that you had a, a number of words that you were using to help people remember this. Um, it was mindsets, mechanics, and what was the third one? Motion. So yeah, we teach uh, what we call our open for business framework. So Mm -hmm. the reason we call it open for business is because we believe that it takes more than just the ability to conduct a transaction to be considered really open for business, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you had a retail store, you have business hours in which you are open for business. But if you're sitting behind the desk on your phone and you're not interacting with your customers, you're acting like you could care less, your store is not tidy and, and really ready f- ready for your, your suit to be open, it's not giving that impression that 
you are really open for business. Mm. So we like to say it's a mindset. It's a it's the way that you are in motion interacting with your customers and your clients. And so the open for business framework, you know, it, it, it really takes three things to be successful in anything that you do. But for the purposes of our work with clients and growing sales or, you know, expanding business development opportunities, they want to have the right mindset around, you know, what is possible for their business and who they are being in their business. They also want to have the mechanics, uh, you know, being able to say the right things. So you you study sales language and, and you know your industry. And then you want to be in consistent motion because, you know, you could be the best service provider or you could have the best widget. But if you're not out there talking about it, nobody knows about it. So it doesn't make a difference. So basically, it, the short Cliff Notes version is mindset is what you think. Mechanics is what you say, and motion is what you do. And when you focus on all three of those things, then you really have the tools to be open for business. So let me ask you then, um, you, you've been doing this a while. Can I ask how long? I have been running my own sales, sales management training, coaching, consulting business since 1998. 1998. Okay, so that's a good, good stretch of this. <laughs> Can I ask you that, what were the things that, you remember feeling challenged by as you tried to sell your business? Oh, that's a great question. I I think at one, I, I definitely know that, you know, young, early in my career, I was, I really wanted to be appropriate for everyone. And, you know, it was that that thing that you you hear, you know, if you could fog a mirror, then you could be my client. And <laughs> I was very nervous to limit my my market and and specialize because I I I really I don't think I had quite the abundance mentality that I do today, and that just comes, I think, from being a seasoned business owner and uh, you know with. 30 years or 20 plus years, whatever it is, that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of recovering from rejection, getting back out there, making things happen. So I I think if I could tell my younger self, like, don't worry about trying to be something perfect for everyone, find your best fit audience, super Mm -hmm. serve them and the word will get out. And once I figured that out, it was easy to recognize that our programs are really best suited for people who are professionals. Sometimes they wouldn't even call themselves salespeople, but salespeople, business owners, entrepreneurs, professionals. But what they have in common is they sell something creative or complex or custom, and they do it in a consultative process. In other words, you can't just click here, buy now. You really need an expert to walk you through that and to create or customize a complex solution. And in those cases, our programs are a perfect fit. But in other cases, we're really not. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think one of the things that came up while you were saying that, um, just rewinding a little bit to, you know, that, that idea that you at the early stage, they're trying to be all things to all men. And I'm guessing that there is, you know, at, at some point, there's a, a tipping point where you've got 
a little bit more success with the kind of client who's that natural fit, the ones that you know how to help best. What are some of the key lessons that you learned from the ones who were not the natural fits? Oh, another great question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, as part of being in motion, you it's important to track and measure the actions and behaviors that are leading to the results. So it was in doing that, that I was able to recognize there were places I was going to market my business that were ineffective to getting me in front of my ideal target market. And mm-hmm. so I needed to look at that. And, and sometimes I you do things because they make you feel busy. And, you know, when we feel busy, we must be important. And, you know, that that at the end of the day, you know, you can feel busy and important, but if it's not leading directly to increasing your business, you are wasting your time. You'd be better off reading a book to improve mm-hmm. your sales skills or listening to some new podcast or learn creative new ideas than going somewhere where, you know, it, it, you're not going to run into good prospects for you. So I feel like that was part of you know, that process of just really getting clear on where to go. And I feel like it was frustrating. It was frustrating mm-hmm. to deliver your solution to somebody who's not the right person. And I think that was when we made the decision uh, that it really had to be a complex, creative or custom thing that they were selling. I work with uh, several different engineering manufacturing companies. This is not my background. I don't know a darn thing about it. I mean, like, it's hilarious to me. But one of my biggest clients is, you know, they make bearings and shafting. These are things (laughs) I never in my lifetime would have thought about, right? Yeah. But I don't need to know the ins and outs of the manufacturing process to know that they're selling to human beings who have it challenges that frustrate, concern, overwhelm, irritate them. And mm-hmm. so when I can take engineering people and help them talk about their products in a in language that real people can identify with, sometimes they're talking engineer to engineer, but there's a frustration. We need this bearing to be this certain size or have this heat resistance. And if it doesn't have that, the rest of our thing is going to collapse. And we've spent years developing this other thing. And so it's it's still pains that are at an individual level. And people need to understand that people might make decisions intellectually, but when they buy, it's emotional. Hmm. And that's important to be able to identify. And, and so when we were working with people that weren't creative, complex, or custom, you know, it it was more of a commodity business. And our process was a little bit too involved, a little too cumbersome. Um, It wasn't a a real fit. And so we were trying to modify what we teach to fit their model. And it was a lot of extra work. They were never the happiest, most satisfied customers. And so we finally looked at it and said, okay, we're not super serving this audience. So let's stop going after them. It, refer them on to somebody mm-hmm. else who's you know, got a more of a cookie cutter in our language type of program. 
um, because they don't need the the quite the customization that we provide. Yeah, no, I to- totally get that. And I love that term that you've got the super serve them because that that just, you know, it really highlights, I guess, the, um, the hand and glove sort of level of attunement that you've got them with the client. And I think, uh, you know, from my own experience, when you've got that, you just, you know, it just runs well. It ju- you've, you've got this kind of flow, I guess, between in communication with them. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally, totally understand that. I wonder, Justin, you mentioned something there as, as well a little while ago about your own kind of journey. And, you know, you, you said that um, before you had this an abundance mindset and, you know, you've mentioned frustrations and so on for clients who are not necessarily getting what they need. Now, I'm I'm just wondering what your thoughts are, what your experience is with the step up from those kind of frustrations or worries or FOMO or whatever it is into that place where you actually think, you know what, it's going to be okay. We've got what we need. It's that abundance mindset. Well, first of all, I think from a tactical standpoint, going through an exercise where you actually look at what is your revenue goal and what's your average client worth or what's your average sale worth, Mm -hmm. then you can kind of go, all right, I don't need to be the perfect fit for everyone. Uh, You know, let's just pick random numbers. If I wanted to make $100,000 and my offer is $10,000, I need 10 of them. So, okay, that's a whole lot different in terms of the the way you go about your your business and i think that going through an exercise like that just helps you recognize quickly mm-hmm. that you don't have to be constantly you know hustling you yeah. can really focus on super serving but also set an expectation with those clients that at some point once we've solved your problem and you're super happy Um, Would you be open to having a conversation with me about introducing me to other people in your industry or people that you network with professionally who might also be frustrated with some of the same things that you Mm -hmm. were before we started working together and and just open up a a few doors for me? And of course, you know, again, I'm using those magic words. Are you open to people are generally going to be open to that. But the key here is first, you have to solve their problem. I Mm -hmm. think sometimes you know, we go in to ask for referrals and introductions too soon when we haven't really earned that. And I'm a believer in, you know, serve first and then you've earned that opportunity. Yeah. And I I love what you're saying as well about, um, you know, going through that tactical exercise and knowing what it is that your goal actually breaks down to. And I think that you know, from the sort of stuff I would um, be thinking about and working with with people is one of the things that you've got when it's an entirely wide open field and it's just right. OK, I've got to earn it's something woolly that's out there. Uh, it, it's very chaotic and that's a very stressful place to be. And then when you actually sit and you look at those numbers and you kind of fence things off a little bit, it becomes a lot more structured. It becomes a lot more achievable, you start to um, get into those repeatable patterns that you can actually think, you know, hey, that's actually quite manageable. If I think about it, 100,000 is actually 10 clients in this year or whatever. It Suddenly, it's like, 
that 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 fog that you know just wooliness in, in your thinking starts to to lift a little bit and that makes a big difference doesn't it Absolutely. And I think that speaks to the first part of the open for business framework, which is mindset. So first, you know, you want to get clear on your on your goals and your ability to believe that you can achieve that. And then you go to, okay, well, what are the what are the steps that I need to take? What would I do to get that number of clients? Because you can't just have 10 prospects because you're not going to close all of them. Mm -hmm. But how many people would I need to talk to to close 10 new deals? You know, the other thing, too, I want to say, because it's not all about income and salespeople get a bad rap, too, because, you know, people think, well, we're, we're only about the money. But, you know, think about other things that are important to you. Lifestyle is important you know, just the balance, whatever balance looks like for you in your life. And I know in in my industry um, that, you know, I'm part of the National Speakers Association and the Global Speakers Federation. And so my peer group are professional speakers that many of them are earning quite a few dollars, right? Like they're mm-hmm. making, a, you know, we're, we have a, an opportunity to make a very good living. And many of my speaker friends are running around like crazy people doing 100 plus events a year at pretty high fees. Um, it's That is not the lifestyle I want. I have mm-hmm. you know, a, a child in school. I'm a single parent. Like I've got some other responsibilities. So that was not my choice of how to run the business. I think you have to have the right business model as well. Um, to be realistic about what it is that you're trying to build. Yeah. Um, now that my son is off to university in roughly 51 days, not that I'm counting, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have a lot more freedom and maybe I will, you know, beef up the marketing and, you know, going after, mm. you know, business opportunities that require more travel in three weeks. I'm leaving for Southeast Asia and I'm doing some business mm. over there at a leadership summit. Well, that was not something I could do two years ago. Mm. And so, you know, I think you want to just every six months or so just take a reset. You know, am I on the right path? And am I open to a new path mm. and shifting my my focus? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, the, this idea that you've spoken about here about um, what the balance is for you and how individual that is for you and the stage of life that each of us is at. It's, it changes over time. Um, and as well as that, you know, what is right for me may not be right for you, may not be right for the next person. And actually understanding that what it is that we need for ourselves to create that right balance, that um, optimum place for us to be doing our work and having that balance between life and work and all the all the things that we want to accomplish it's so important because if we try to do what somebody else is doing if we try to push ourselves to be that other person or to be at that other place in someone else's life then the whole pile of cards comes kind of crashing down doesn't it it is i mean it, it that certainly does you 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 want to look at all the options that are available and all the different ways that you could go about doing your business. But at the end of the day, you have to make the decision that's right for you and put some boundaries in place. I have one friend who 
you know, really focuses her business in a regional way. And so she's happy to speak at an event, but it has to be within a three hour car drive for her. And another friend who, you know, he really is focused on being an international celebrity speaker. And so he's doing business in Dubai. <laughs> like, mm. you know, mm. they both are technically in the same industry, but they've created a business model that works for them individually. And I think at the end of the day, what whatever you choose, especially as an entrepreneur or professional, you know, with some expertise, it that is every bit as important as the amount of money you're going to make. And when you're focused on the right lifestyle and, you know, and, and your goals match, they're not in conflict with your revenue goals, then your focus really can be on who am I the best fit for? And so, and your focus is on that mutual selection. If it's all about one thing and it's all about you making money, you're going to be pushy and aggressive and manipulative and it's not going to work out and you're going to give the rest of us a bad name. So stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, everybody, you have been told. (laughs) (laughs) Mary, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, Now, I know you've got some resources and things that are available for people. I'll put all the links in the show notes, but you want to give a shout out to the, the best one for people to head over to if they want to find out more? Absolutely. So all things point to MeritCon.com. It's M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. Put forward slash podcast on the end of that. And there's uh, we're constantly updating the resources on that page. So get your name on the list. There's always a let's talk button. So feel free to book time on my schedule and happy to hear from you. Super. Listen, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Deirdre. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 